this message is titled, My Hurry Up Life. And you're thinking, yeah, that's mine. You've been reading my mail, My Hurry Up Life. Um, and uh, I have, uh, I, I really personally, you know, you notice the negative, you notice the, the title is negative, impatient. And uh, maybe that is indicative of my week. You know, so I've entitled it. I don't really feel really qualified at this one. Um, but it's the Bible. And I will tell you right up front, there are times that I find myself struggling with the very things that I'm going to tell you about, okay? And I'm going to share with you. So, and I'm sure maybe, probably none of you all have this, you know, this problem with uh, this idea of patience. And if you've been praying for it, I've got some insight for you there. Uh, okay? Because there's, there's a biblical premise. By the way, share this online. Share this on your Facebook. Uh, if you're on Facebook, take a minute and just share it. Or when you get home today, share it. Um, a little boy was standing at the bottom of an escalator, very patiently waiting and a sales clerk looked up at him, and she saw him there just standing, just watching, you know, every step go by. And she thought, is this, is this little boy lost? And so she notices this, and she begins, she goes over, and she says, she looks at him. She said, she said son, or she said, are, are, you, are you lost? And he said, no, I'm just waiting for my bubble come to turn back around and get back. Waiting, y'all didn't get that. Is an escalator. Uh, he dropped his gum on the escalator. Okay, so he's waiting. Okay, that was a that was not good. I'll I'll try this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, there was a guy named, and I don't know. If, uh, I hope there's no Franks here, but this guy this guy's name was Frank, and there's nobody in our church. Okay, Frank Frank wasn't known for his patience. He had absolutely no use for negative conversations. So when he got a call from his wife during a busy day at work, uh, she talked slowly and didn't seem very upbeat. And so he interrupted her and he exhorted. He said, he said now keep it brief and make it positive. So she did. She paused for a moment and she cheerfully said to him, I discovered the airbags in our new BMW and they work really great. So, so uh, now, have you ever had a day like that, or a week like that, or a month like that, or a year like that, or a few years that we we've we've been looking at this busy life, and it's just we just naturally fall into it. I mean, it's nothing that you ask for; it just happens. It's not one day you just kind of uh, said, you know, I'm I'm going to slow down in my life. Um, it's it's, uh, you know, just busy just happens, doesn't it? I mean, there's more demands. There's more, if you have children, you find yourself, you know, as, as they grow in aging, there's, as they grow up, there's, there's more things to be involved in, more things to do, more responsibilities. You know, when they get to the age that they're having homework, look out. You know, there's that, and then there's track meets, or there's, there's uh, ball games, or there's, you know, things, to activities to do. And our lives are just filled with a lot of busy things. And then if you find yourself in a caregiving position, let's say you're caring for somebody who's sick, you find that, that all of a sudden your schedule becomes busier. 
And uh, then, you know, th this busy life just kind of creeps up on you and you say, what happened? And, and you've said this before, whatever happened to my time? Now, I'm talking to some folks here this morning that you, you've asked that question. You're saying, what's happened to my time? I don't have time. And if you're a young mom or dad here today, you're saying this. Whatever happened to my time? All of a sudden, you find yourself with the responsibility of kids. And, uh, you know, there's interruptions and there's things that happen and things that you plan on, things that you don't. Um, you know, I remember when our kids were very small. I mean, just getting up and go. I was not in a frame of mind to go to church on Sunday mornings. Or when I got to church, I wasn't in a frame of mind to worship. Why? Well, because, you know, you're trying to get the kids dressed and you're trying to look at the time and you're looking at the clock. And, you know, you feel really, you, real, you feel real godly. You know? Yeah, right. You know, then you have to stand up and, 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 and say, okay, yeah, I've got to put the best preacher face on and my family's got to be perfect. And, you know, you do all that. And, and there's pressure. And then you have the pressure of social media because you know that people present the picture perfect and anybody that's living in any kind of reality know that it's just not true. Amen. You know it. So you feel the pressure of, of, of measuring up and you feel all of these kind of pressures that go and then you look at your time and no wonder you're empty. No wonder. No wonder there is this pervasive sense of dissatisfaction and discontentment in, in our lives because we don't really have enough time to be with God. And God's created us that. Matter of fact, that's where your greatest satisfaction will come from. Is not doing. Being. And I think that's what worship, you know, when you think about it, it's really neat when, when we can worship together and we lift up our hearts to sing praises to God because it's, it's our time of singing to our creator. He is our audience. He's our audience. He, he's the one that we're singing to. We're singing about Him. We're declaring who He is to Him. We're saying, Lord, this is you. This is, and I'm affirming that, that you are my rescue story. My story is not my story. It is lost up in you. And when you get lost up in God, you get found. It's a powerful, a powerful reality. So how can you get this, how can you get off the this wheel is a gerbil and get some meaning back into your life and, and get to this thing. Well, sometimes you go through forced slowdowns. You ever get stalled in traffic? You got a place to be? And you know where you need to be? And all of a sudden you see the traffic lined up, you know, you know, just lined up, lined up, lined up, lined up, lined up. And, and then you find... Something about your character. Right? Now you, th you didn't think it was that. Because you, you thought the test was the test that you took at school. Or that your test was, um, was this thing that you might have been tempted by. But no, no. The test is you sitting in traffic. 
and how you respond to that. Especially when you're in a hurry. Because you remember, time is what? It's precious. And it all of a sudden, why wow, you've got thoughts and feelings and you say things that you thought, well, I never did think. And your spouse or your wife or your husband look up and say, I can't believe you said that. And you're a deacon in the church. Right? I'm just talking to you. We're just talking. We're just having a little friendly discussion about this. So we find ourselves impatient. Now, I'll be honest with you. I find myself there. I found myself there uh, two weeks ago. I had this thing, and I had a forced shutdown. I mean, the, the plant had to stop. The Greg factory had to stop. And, and I found myself, and, I, and I'm thinking, this is just a little tendon right back here. It's not a big deal, right? Yeah, right. That thing gets pulled and it starts hurting. And, it, and every time I would step on it, it felt like that there was nails going through it. And then my wife came along and gave me her doctoral advice. Which was to, you need to walk on that. And I'm like, no! <laughs> I can't! You know, I'm hurting! You know? And I, I took, uh, and probably, probably some medical folks here say, yeah, it's plaster foundation. She's right, Greg. And I know that. But man, it hurt. And so I took a little bit of time and I just stayed off of it. But you know, that was hard to do because my mind was racing with everything that I needed to do. I had... I had a lot of important God things to do. And now I'm in a forced shutdown. Now, I know why they put these things on these hospitals to pause, reflect, heal. Yeah. Because when you have a forced shutdown... You have a lot of time to do what? Now get this. You have a lot of time to go down deeper. To get down to your heart. You see, the busy life keeps us on the, on the surface. And we're fine. Everything on the surface is good. You know, production's good and you're running and you can get up and you can do things. But all of a sudden you have a forced shutdown and the traffic stalls. And your to-do list gets longer and longer. You find something rising up within yourself that reminds you, Greg, that you're still in this flesh and you're still prone to be impatient. I'd like to tell you that I'm patient. I'm patient with some things, some things I'm not patient with. I have selective patience, right? I have selective patience disorder, maybe, or dysfunction, or disease, or dissonance. I don't know. You just, you know, add your D word. Um, so this, this patient, so what, what do you find that, that, wears you, that wears you thin? What, do, what is it that wears you thin? That, that you find yourself just wears on your patient, just wears you out. What is it? Is it interruptions? 
Is it irritations? Hmm? We've got a lot of I words. Is it insults? Insults? Go ahead and go to the next one. Is it importunities? I looked up that word. Importunities is a good Bible word. Importunities is, is just a persistent aggravation. Or is it injustices? Now, you're, you're prone to find yourself there. And I've got, I'm going to give you, I'm going to encourage you to go to the book of James because that's where we're going to look at this. So just be turning over to chapter 1. Now, I'm just going to warn you before you get to James is that, that James is, you know, you wouldn't want James as your pastor. I mean, James just absolutely pulls no punches. He just tells it like it is, and he says, go ahead and say ouch, because it's going to hurt. Okay? This is, this is hard. But, you know, you connect, you connect with James, and if you need some background Bible to go with it, as we begin to look at James, think of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and go back and think of the Psalms. Many of the Psalms deal with a lot of this. Matter of fact, sometimes when I'm needing encouragement in my life, I will go back to the Psalms. And, and you find people with the human condition, dealing with real human life kind of things, and feel the same things that you feel, and, you, and it's recorded right there in the Bible. And, and I, I go through those quite often. I have to remind myself of those and do that. But James is one of those guys that just, he's like, he's one of the guys that you've got this, you've got this cutter, you've got this sore, and he's the kind of guy that goes to, here, let's look at that. He rips it off. He rips off the bandage. And you're going, whoa! That hurts. That's James. I mean, he, he, is, he is that kind of guy. He, James is the kind of guy that looks at you and says, you need surgery and you need it now, let's go. And he just gets right to it. So, when we look at this, when you think of patience, who do you think, in the Bible that is, when you think of patience, who do you think of? I think of in the Old Testament, Job. Yeah, patience of, and we even say it, he, well, she's got the patience of Job, right? Or he's got the patience of Job. Well, what is it? Well, first of all, what is patience, by the way? I mean, you know, if we've got to know what we're talking about, if, if we're talking about patience, what does it mean? To have patience, here's the dictionary definition. Patience is the capacity to accept or to tolerate delay or trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. That's what patience is. Now, I, I don't know about you. I mean, I've, I've, I've ordered fast food too, too, too much. And, and I want things fast. I want sudden service. How about you? We're conditioned that way. You know, we're, we're conditioned not to wait. You know? We're conditioned to, to be taken in right now. We, we are conditioned... To that, So I, I just want to tell you, it's, I'm just telling you right up front, with the busy life, this is an uphill, this is, it's an uphill battle, it's an uphill struggle, and you're going to struggle with it, and you're going to have to be, you're going to have to remind yourself of it, and you're going to have to be aware of it. Because you're not, you know, you're, you, occasionally you'll have somebody say, you know, you, you need to be a little more patient, but, um, but oftentimes or not, the, the more that you learn 
this reality in your life, you will find that life will be much more content. But you've got to get the hard stuff. And you've got, to, and you've got to really look at yourself and say, okay, what are the areas? You see, I know the areas that I'm impatient with. And some things are a breeze for me. Other things I'm looking at, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm finding myself irritated in my spirit. I, I'm finding myself, you know, um, and, and you, you need to know what those are. You need to know those trouble spots because, let me say this, those are opportunities, and I'll get to this in just a second, those are opportunities of growth for you if you take them seriously. Now, if you just brush it off and say, well, this is just who I am, this is the way my mom was or my dad was, this is the way my grandfather was, this is a family trait and we we wear it as a family tradition. Well, a lot of people do. And pass it on from generation to generation to generation to generation. And there's fussing and there's arguing and there's fighting and there's, there's, there's all of this thing and it just perpetuates itself and it goes on and on and on and on and on and somebody has to break a cycle somewhere. Right? How do you break it? You break it by getting down deeper in your own heart. And allowing Jesus to become Lord in those areas. That's how you grow. It, it, it isn't easy. Now, I'm not irritated by crying babies. so we, we're, we're baby friendly here. That's right, ain't it, Allison? We're baby friendly here. So, as you begin to look at this, what wears your patience? Now, let, let me just do a little test here this morning. How many of you have already dis- haven't figured it out? Oh, nobody. Wonderful. <laughs> you know what? You are a group of liars. <laughs> right? You haven't figured it Listen, if you haven't taken time to figure out what wears you out and what you're impatient with, you need, you need, you're too busy. You need to go back and get last week's message and a week before that. Okay? You still got you still got this busy thing going because you're still living on surface kind of stuff. So that's the danger. See, the danger is to you float in and out of church and not grow. You say that's happening? Yeah. You can go to church and Sunday school all of your life. And it never and it never and it all just become a perfunctionary kind of thing. It never never hits here. But you know what? I believe you want something more for your life. Or you wouldn't be here. Right? I do. I'd like to tell you I got this stuff together. I don't. And I've, I've said that. But let's go. I want, I want us to look at it. If you think of a, of a person in the New Testament that had patience, I think of Jesus. Matter of fact, go ahead and put this up. This is what Peter said. Peter observed Jesus. Now, to know the personality of Peter, it was like this. Peter was like this guy that jumps in boats and jumps out. And he's the guy, that, he's the guy that's always, always impulsive. He speaks. This guy puts his foot in his mouth more times than, than you know. And, but he's got a heart and he's all in. And when he's in it, he is in it and game on. But he messes up so many times. You find this in the scripture. But here's what he said of Jesus after Jesus had that little seaside breakfast with Peter. 
He said, if, if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. He said, to this end you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So in other words, he's saying, I'm going to make no bones about it to the early church that you're going to suffer for Christ. And it's not going to be right. There's going to be injustices. There's going to be things that you find yourself irritated with. But notice what Jesus did. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he didn't notice here. Instead, say that with me. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm laying that over to the, to the God side and allowing God to take care of this. I'm not going to play God with my life. You see, what, what troubles remind us and, and what impatience reminds us of is that we're really not in control. And that's exactly what James said. I want you to look at this in, in chapter 2 of James. James, and we're, we're going there now. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now just take a big deep breath there. Okay? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Take you another breath. He just ripped the scab off. Okay? So let it grow. So when your endurance is fully developed and you're mature, you will be perfect and complete. Notice what he said. Needing. Do you see that? I'd missed that before. Needing nothing. Now look at verse 5 and 6. Now this, there's only a couple of verses here. So if, if you need wisdom, ask, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Now let's, let's kind of extrapolate because he, James here gives us about four or five little principles that I want to look at. And here's the first one. The first one is in verse 2. And this is the hard one. Adversity reminds us that we are not in control of our circumstances. It reminds us that we're not in control of life at times. It reminds us and it leaves you feeling vulnerable. It reminds us that that there's things in life that come our way that we don't really have a whole lot of say in. Uh, sometimes traffic backs up and it didn't consult me with my schedule. Right? Sometimes something just doesn't work right and I find myself laid up and I'm dealing with a myriad of emotion on the internal side of me. Everything from irritation to impatience to anger. And all of a sudden, James comes along and he says, Greg, are you a brother or sister? And I say, yeah. He says, so when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity. For great joy. And I'm like. Oh. 
Really? Yes. Really. Now, how can it be? How can it be that when circumstances come your way that are adverse to you, to your sense of being in control of your life, to your sense of there being security in your life, to your sense of, 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 of your own mental and emotional stability, how in the world can you count it all joy? Matter of fact, let me give you one. That This is another difficult verse. I don't understand it. Jesus, Jesus counted it joy because he looked past the cross. The troubles and adversities in life are only temporary. And if you can remind yourself of that when you're going through a trouble or difficulty in your life, that it's only temporary. It is not forever. It feels like it's forever. It's never forever. He says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now I'm thinking... What is, what is James thinking in his life? Well, I want to tell you what he's thinking. He's thinking that our lives is more than just living for our circumstantial happiness. That's it. You see, if you live your life, and if we live our lives based purely on our circumstances all the time, then you will be a victim most of your life. You won't be a victor. Now you will just you will just go from one wave of circumstance to the next wave, and there'll be dips and valleys, and there you're going to have good times and bad, and, and and all of a sudden, why? Because your joy and your happiness is in your circumstances, and when your happiness or when your joy is in in circumstances, you're going to find that you're going to fluctuate with whatever your circumstances. James is saying, I have found his, he found his contentment and his joy in Christ. Now, I want to, before you think that James was a pushover, this was a half-brother of Jesus. And as you all know, uh, if you've got brothers or sisters, they don't buy in too easy. They don't buy into you too easy. Matter of fact, they'll challenge you. You know what I'm saying? Your brother and sister will usually challenge you. And, and sometimes you may be convinced they don't like you. But, I mean, a brother, you know, they'll, they'll, and this is what, James, James was a half-brother of Jesus, and his family thought, thought it, before they even came to faith, they thought, you know, Jesus lost it. He, he, he's not, you know, he's not right in, 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 in you know, in, in what he's doing. But they came to faith later. So this is, this is, this is, James, and he says, consider it an opportunity of great joy. He's saying, you got troubles and things that you find yourself impatient with in life. God is smiling on you. Oh, that's a way of looking at it, isn't it? Whoa, that one hurt. Because most of us are convinced. How do you know this? People tell me this all the time. I am just convinced that God has got it out for me. If God loved me, He wouldn't allow me to go through all of this. Could it be that the very act of His love is He's wanting to develop something deep down on the inside of you that will, that will, that will be a testimony of His glory? 
That people look at, at and they'll say, oh, look how strong he is or she is. Or look what they're going through. Man, I, 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 I wouldn't want to go through. Look, but, but no, you say, don't look at me because I want to tell you, I don't, have, I don't have the wherewithal to make it through that. So James says, count it all joy when you fall into all of these different kinds of of trials and troubles in your life. And, and a part of me like, okay, Lord, I need really, I need, and I'll tell you, this is a verse that I need a lot of help with. And I'm saying, okay, why? Because I like circumstances to be nice. That's why I like Mayberry so well. And that's why I was so disappointed when I went there. Because I was looking for Mayberry to be Mayberry. And I went and listened to all these interviews and I'm saying, they didn't even intend Mayberry to be. Mayberry is a figment of our imagination. And I was so disappointed. You know? <laughs> so disappointed. And um, I took one trip there and I ended up getting poison ivy. Seriously. <laughs> I did. It's no joke, and it took forever. It's right here on my leg. And uh, I said, well, it's the last time I'm going back to Mayberry. We haven't been back since, have we? No. So adversity reminds us we're not in control. And so I'm asking, I'm asking, Lord, but we are in control of something. We're in control of our responses. That's what we are in control of. So, you find yourself impatient. You recognize it doesn't align up with the Spirit of God. And you say, okay, God, I need you to fill me with your Spirit. And what does that mean? Is that some sort of mystery? No. It just means that you yield that area in your life to God and say, okay, Lord, you're going to have to take this one because I'm not doing well here. And God said, okay. And you find that there's a new king on the throne. And so, and then there's a new joy because, you, and you begin to, to to experience that in worship. That's why, you know, I I looked at this morning seeing folks worship, and I'm like, whoa, this is so awesome! Because when you when you do, you begin to tap into the reality of joy that is unspeakable and full of glory, and you forget about your circumstance. It's powerful. You say worship can do that? Yes. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to worship. That's what you're created for. That was what Adam and Eve did in the garden before the fall. It's a powerful reality of your creator for you. And there's where your joy is. It's in being. You know, it's in being with your God. Number two, he said this, he says in verse three, he says, not only count it all joy, adversity also, uh, let's go to look at this. I want to give you, I want to give you a Spurgeon quote. I had to get my notes here. Spurgeon said this. He says, Grin and Barrett is an, uh, is an old-fashioned advice. Now, now, Spurgeon was probably, he was a mega pastor before mega churches, Okay. This was back in the 1800s. He said, but singing Barrett is better, is a great deal better. Did you hear that? I want, I want you to try it sometimes. You just need to go down the road and, and just, you know, surprise your mate. Just start out. 
How great is our God? Keep your eyes open. Try it sometimes. From all your heart. Just, and you start singing to God and what you find is your load gets lighter. Doesn't Scripture say that He inhabits the praise? Well, if He's inhabiting, He's sitting there with us. He's right there with us. He said, here, let me, let me carry a little bit of that load for you. So, you say, well, I'm just got to grin and bear it. No, that'll wear you out. It will. Because some of you have been grinning and bearing it for a long time, and it's showing. Right? It does. It does when you grin and bear it. It shows after a while. And, and listen, you're not surprising anybody because everybody else notices too. I told you, James, it's kind of like that. And count it all joy. And how do you, how do, you do it? Well, you, you, you kind of get back to the center of what brings joy in your life, and it is Christ. Christ is the only thing that doesn't change. If you have relationships, they'll change. Even your own body changes. You're getting older. And you're going to look in the mirror and you say, what in the world happened? How do you do that? I do that. I'm like, what's going on here, Greg? <clears throat> and it answers, the mirror answers, and it says, age. I mean, I've got spots that I didn't think I was supposed to have spots. You know? And, you know, part of me is a little vain, a little vain sometimes, you know. And, and I, I've noticed some change. There's changes going on. I am close to 60. Yeah, thank you. I know. And the mirror knows it, right? Yeah, you deal with it. Now, here's the second one. Verse 3. Are you, are you tracking with me so far? If you're tracking with me so far, say amen. Okay. Are you okay? Okay. We're getting ready to get to surgery. Opportunities, advers adversities are opportunities for personal growth and character development. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. You're like, I don't think I want to grow that. I didn't sign up for that. It's a part of life and living, right? And you either do it with joy... Or you either do it grumbling. Either, either the things that you go through can be opportunities to you to find joy in Christ and opportunities for personal growth, or you can grumble through them. Okay? Now, look, look Paul said it this way. Paul said it this way. He said it's kind of like a building block. You remember playing building blocks when you were kids? He said it's like this. Look at, look at this verse. He says, we rejoice too that when we run into problems and trials, we know that it helps us develop endurance. If you, if you lift weights, what do you do? You have to have resistance to do what? To, to gain. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confidence, our hope of our salvation. And hope will not lead you to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. See, the very, Paul deals with the very thing that you deal with. I don't know how God could love me. I mean, look at all these things that I'm going through. And he's saying just the opposite. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So every so, every so often I remind myself, you know what? This world's not my home. Problems are temporary. Jesus is eternal. I know him. Do you? 
Here's the third one. Embrace the meticulous work of adversity that produces patience. Now, this is the hard one. This is the one that I take a deep breath on. It says, so, so let it grow. Let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. In other words, you let God be God and you be His child. You let God be God. You, and if everything, listen, we call it providence in theology. God in His providence allow certain things in our lives, some things we will never know why. You'll never know them. They are reminders that, we, that there is a God and we are not God. They're reminders that we have need in our life. They're reminders that there are opportunities for us to trust. They're reminders of all of this. He says, let that work, let it grow in you. In other words... If you've prayed about something and you've prayed 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 and there's still not the answer that you expected, still not the answer, still not the answer, still not the answer, then you leave some things to the providence of God knowing that it is the mystery of His counsel. That's what it means to trust Him. That's what it means. So let it grow. And when endurance is developed in us, then God says, yeah, you got that one. Now let's work on this other area over here. Right? He says, you'll, you'll be mature, and guess what? Guess what your need will be? Do you see it? Will be what? Now, is there anybody here that says to me, I don't need a thing? Huh? No, if you're here and you're a teenager, you're saying, I just need a boyfriend. I, no, you don't. <laughs> right? Right? No, you don't. You don't need a boy. You know what? That, that, that's, it's going to complicate your life. Oh, I just need. You know? By the way, that's why character development is so important. Because you expect, and you, you see, it happens all the time, married folks. Well, I married, you know, that I, I, I thought I, I needed you to, you make me complete, and we sing songs about it, and we feel real good about it, and we romanticize the whole thing. Let me tell you. I mean, the, the, reality, the reality of that is getting up at 3 in the morning and giving that baby a bottle, and it's crying, and it's inconsolable. Okay? That's love. Now, I'm sorry, but your favorite pop artist won't come on at 3 in the morning and go, you know, everything's so good. You know? You just won't feel it. You won't. You won't. But that's the stuff of love. 
I've, I, you know, I, that's the stuff of love. Love is this, this thing that, I mean, it's inconvenient. You know, listen, if you, want to, if you want a real growth in character, get married. I'm serious. I'm happily married, but I, I want, if you want a growth in character and you want to discover what love is, get married. Because you're going to deal with irritations. You're going to have people. You're going to have your spouse that will remind you of it. And there's going to be things that you got to deal with in marriage. Because listen, marriage is marriage. What does marriage call us to do? Well, again, we've romanticized it all. We've made it an American kind of thing. It makes me feel so good. And we sing these lovey-dovey songs in these great, wonderful weddings. And and everybody goes. And the you know the marriage lasts maybe six years, seven. What happened? Well, I fell out of love, preacher. You didn't tie the knot good enough. <laughs> I'm serious. And and uh, and I just kind of look and shake my head. You bought into the lie. You think it's about your feelings. It's got to be comfortable. It can't mess over my schedule. It can't mess over my life. That's what sacrifice is. Listen, patience looks a lot like love. You hear me? Paul said it that way. He says, love is patient. Right? It's patient. That's love. That's love. So next time, next time you, you know, next time you get in one of those places where you're irritated, you go to that BG song. How deep is your love? Yeah, just go back to the '80s. You'll feel better, <laughs> right? Oh. Here's the last one. I'm closing with this, okay? Here's it. Let, let it. let God do His work in it. If if you're not there yet, you know, join the I'm Not There Club. And if you think somebody's there, no, they're just, they, they may be there for this moment, but there may be a time in, in their future that they're going to find that there's one of those little things that just kind of sticks out that they, that reminds them that they're not patient. And it's, a, it's a growing grace. Adversity, if you need it, ask for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. That's the best thing you can do. When you're praying, just say, God, I don't understand this. I may not like it, but I'm asking you to give me wisdom to navigate through it. I want to honor you in it. That's it. If you need to ask, ask God for wisdom. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. When you ask Him, be sure you ask in faith in God alone. That's all He's saying. Just ask God. You say, that's all you do. That's what prayer is, is asking. And here's the last one. Now here's where some people get tripped up. They get tripped up here. I've, I've, I told you a lie, didn't I? I said this was the last one. This is actually the last one. Okay, here it is. You've got to get this one. Okay, y'all need to go ahead and go there. Okay, because I'll, I'll, I did put it in there, didn't I? Yeah, yes. It's, it's verses... In, in James chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. I want you to look there. Adversity makes you weary, and weary poses a danger for you to blame God. 
So think about it. It says, God, God blesses those who patiently wait, endure and testing. And temp- notice here, he throws temptation into it. Two different words, actually. Trial is not a temptation. But he's saying, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. James is saying, there comes a time in your life that you will want to act outside of God's providential care. Go your own way. Do it your own way. That's the danger. The danger is saying, you know what? I've prayed, God doesn't work. I've tried this God thing, God doesn't work. And I prayed and His prayer thing doesn't work. He's not heard my prayer. He couldn't love me. He loves everybody else, but He couldn't love me. And you get this victim mindset and you blame God. And then you find yourself an easy prey of temptation and to fall into deeper trouble. Escapisms. Behavior, you thought, I'd never get into that. I can't believe people do that. I can't believe, you know, well, you begin to blame God. You begin to justify sin in your own life. That's the danger. I'm telling you, James pulls no punches. So you embrace that work and you ask God, if you're in this place, and I, if you're here this morning, you're dealing with some troubles, you're saying, man, it's a reminder I'm not in control of that. It is a reminder that God's in control, and that's what you need to be reminded of. God's in control. That He's in control. Let's just bow our heads for just a minute. Our praise band, come on. God's in control. Let me, let me just ask you, what could happen in your life if you reaffirmed in your own life, you say, Lord, I have been blaming you with the trouble that I've, that's come my way. I didn't ask for any of this. But I'm needing some help. I'm needing wisdom. Some of you here this morning, you're in a situation, you're in circumstances you're dealing with, and, and, and you find yourself struggling, and you're saying, I just need, I need God's wisdom. Well, ask. Do what the Bible says. Ask. But I'm feeling totally out of control. I know it's a very vulnerable feeling. It's a very anxious feeling. But maybe you need to change your prayer to saying, God, I, know, I am thankful that you are in control and that you're God. And you've got every detail that I'm worried about. You, you've got it. I, and my mind is, is raced in worry and fear, and I've allowed it to take hold of my life, but I'm declaring today that you're God even over my emotions. And I'm just reminding myself today, Lord, that you're my joy that you're my life and you're my God things may or may not change in your circumstance but I can tell you some things can change in your mind and in your perception with what God can do in your life the last thing we want to do is wait we wait on God, we are it's, it's not doing nothing. No, it's resting. It's resting in who He is. So one of the things that we need to, you know, 
Oh, well, life just hits us sometimes to remind us that we need Him. And we do. That's reality. You say, well, it's weak. You bet it is. No, it's, it's, it's the recognition that there has to be a strength outside yourself. That's all. You'll find yourself being the greatest strength in mind, in heart, in emotion, in spirit. First place we come is to a place of faith in Christ. Trusting Him as Savior and Lord. The second thing is we're growing in Him is learning to yield these things to Him daily. Say, Lord, I want you to be Lord there. I want you to be Lord in my family. I want you to be Lord in my career. I desire you to be glorified in all of it. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Let me ask you this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer, and we're going to sing here in just a second. I'm going to give you an invitation. You want to come? If there's some things that you need to deal with God with, then come. Give it to Him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You can bring it to Him. You're not going to be judged. You can bring it to Him. But with every head bowed, eye closed, just a second. I'm your pastor and I love you. I want to pray for you. And I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do any crazy kind of things. Just I will pray for you and I'll pray for you in this prayer right here, right now. You're saying, Greg, I'm going through something right now and I need your prayers. God bless you. Others. Others, God bless you. Yeah. See, some of you are in a battle and it's just weary. You need you need a strength. You need a strength, friend. Jesus said he wouldn't leave you. Lord I just need your help and then you pray an affirmative prayer Lord I thank you for it Father you know the needs of every dear one this here this morning and our trials are different but our God's the same And you're weaving it in their story today. I pray for strength. I pray for clarity of mind. I pray for wisdom. The power of your strength. I pray that you would give us the grace to do what this song that we're getting ready to sing does. Maybe some of them, somebody here needs to come and just simply lay it down at the altar to you. Give them grace and help to do that. That they know that if they step out, that they're not going to carry it alone.
We ask most of all that Jesus is glorified in our life. In his name we pray.